rambling, maybe you can just mention sort of what's been going on with the, the DAO and maybe also a little merch update as well, if possible, especially Perfect. given it's a, you know, class-related merch. Yeah, yeah. So um, a lot of good stuff going on with the DAO. Um, I've been um, kind of uh, starting a lot of conversations with people, uh, onboarding people, and getting kind of an onboarding process going. So that's been pretty pretty fun and exciting. Um, one of these is, is Austin, our... Uh, intrepid stenographer here um who's been taking notes for all the meetings so you guys can check that out and now the meetings will be recorded so that's good um also people on uh we have a lot of content production stuff coming up um i've been uh, yeah, so, uh sort of speaking with and interviewing people and then connecting them with publius so if anyone has interest in uh you know working for the dow or has anything they think they can add just send me a dm and We'll set up a time we can talk, and uh, and that's that's been really exciting. Um, yeah, on the merch end of things, I have ordered twelve hats and a couple of uh, test T-shirts with the PFPs. The hats are just the I, I think everyone kind of saw the logo in the merch section. So um, the hats are just kind of a generic design. Uh, the mugs can be either be a generic design or can have your PFP on it. So. Um, let me know. We originally said we wanted 30, but, um, and it was the first people who reached out. So right now we have about 10 spoken for. So, um, yeah, just go ahead and reach out to me, send me a DM, say you want it. I'll coordinate with you over email and then you can let me know what address you want to send to and we'll get that done. Um, and then we'll probably do another run of merch afterwards too. So... Um, there is a snapshot vote up for me as uh, operations manager, a role I've kind of been taking on, but um, obviously we want the um, support of the DAO in that as well. So I don't want to uh, take a role that people don't uh, feel like I'm uh, good for. So um, looking forward to seeing voting on that. And there's several other snapshot proposals up too. So take a look at that. Um, JWW and where have you been? have a snapshot proposal up. Um, Publius can speak to a few more. And we have a down meeting on Thursday at 8.30. So feel free to drop in there. Um, about all I got for now. Awesome. Thank you, Dumpling. What a great update. Uh, and, you know, it's people like yourselves that are taking the initiative and just stepping up to the plate and starting to add value across the board where it's needed is exactly what what we think Beanstalk needs at this stage of the game. So excited to see, you know, a couple of the other people that are here are also people we've been talking to about hopefully getting more involved with the DAO. So, uh, you know, we're, we've given people sort of five minutes, so I think it's appropriate to get started with more of a class stuff. So, um, you know, typically the way we do class is it's similar to an AMA where people can just bring their, uh, you know, technical questions, their economic questions, their uh, philosophical questions, and we're happy to answer them. And typically we, you know, we try to go into detail and give people substantive answers, you know, uh, with, you know, the main difference between this and an AMA being we try to keep in mind that people here are you know largely people that are supporting beanstalk and are gonna uh 
take this information and then repeat it to others. And so we want to, you know, have an opportunity where people who are looking to be constructive and help Beanstalk have an opportunity to, you know, ask questions they may even be embarrassed to ask and really start to understand it at a deeper level. So with that in mind, happy to talk about anything and everything. And, uh, you know, per usual, we've got you know, dumpling up here, or, you know, sometimes the bean merchant also pops up here so that we can get sort of general community source questions based on the chatter and the discord and stuff like that. But in general, people that are here should feel free to raise your hand at any point and we'll get you up here and you can ask uh, ask your questions. So uh, with that, we'll sort of open up the floor to, to some questions. What's up, G-Dubs? Hey guys, uh, still uh, just apparently only jumping up on stage, but um, Publius, I think one thing that would be great to get your thoughts on a little bit more um, as we're looking at kind of pegging the price over the course of the last couple of days, you know, we've been sitting below uh, one for, for a pretty long period of time, um, which I think is pretty uncommon since the last stat cycle. Um, just given the fact that the pod line is where it's at, we're getting the accumulation of soil, um, and I'm not sure how much I haven't seen how many unique sowers that we've had join the protocol over the past, you know, 24 to 72 hours. Um, could you talk a little bit more on the economics of how um, the peg will be stabilizing, you know, if if we're not getting new um, sowing happening to the field, et cetera, just to get a better feel of um, of the rebalancing to peg? Definitely. So there's a couple things that we would look at to sort of understand, A, where the system is at in real time and where things are heading. But uh, before we get into the, the micro data, it's important to appreciate that at a macro level, Beanstalk issued a ton of debt over the past two week uh, growth cycle. And so if we go, if we're on the website and we go to field and we go to pods uh, and we go out to like the month view, um, Beanstalk during the two week growth cycle uh, lasted if we go out to the price chart, um, really from like November, let's call it 16th is that first spike up to 117 where you started to see more increased minting. Uh, we saw from November 17, pod line grow from 100 million now to 360 million. So if we do the math on the implied valuation of Beanstalk and how that has changed over the past two weeks, uh, that's an increase in 260 million pods, which implies, you know, not even including the fact that the bean supply doubled, uh, an increase like another 20 million. Uh, we're talking about the valuation on the debt side has increased over $500 million to now you're lending at Beanstalk valuing it at $750 million or so. And on the one hand, uh, therefore, it makes a lot of sense that the weather has to readjust again. And even though you saw the weather come down during that spike uh, in demand, it's now started to increase again and is back to sort of its highs. And so this is a natural resetting of the weather that we're experiencing. Um, one thing I do think it's important to comment is one of the main inspirations for BIP6 is that Beanstalk shouldn't increase the debt level by that much during periods of excess demand. And we feel we feel pretty confident that 
the next time Beanstalk goes through a one or two week debt uh, growth cycle, uh, like it did over the past two weeks, uh, it will deleverage in a much more effective fashion. And at that you know at that point in time, we would expect the weather maybe not to have to reset uh, so aggressively, and then maybe we won't see such extended periods of time below a dollar. But at the same time, at the macro level, I don't think it's unreasonable to expect these types of extended periods of time below a dollar, especially when A, a Beanstalk doesn't have a lot of utility around it at the moment, uh, and B, there aren't a ton of arbitragers playing Beanstalk at a dollar yet. And so over the next couple of weeks and months, as Beanstalk continues to oscillate above and below a dollar and tighter to a dollar, we would expect uh, both of those things to change uh, for there to be an increase in utility and an increase in arbitragers. And that will be when you start to see Beanstalk trade much tighter to the peg, especially on the downside. Uh, but candidly, we feel like this is periods of time like this are where Beanstalk actually uh, differentiates itself from other protocols uh, like ESD and Basis that have failed. Because now when we talk about the micro data, uh, if you go to the balances, the withdrawals uh, and the withdrawn beans are only about uh, 600,000 beans at the moment. Whereas uh, three or four days ago, as the growth cycle ended, the withdrawals were back over 2 million. And so we've seen sort of a trickle of withdrawals over the past day or two, but that's largely slowed down. And so the main reason economically we would expect uh, to justify the price being below a dollar is that simply the weather is not high enough given the recent increase in the pod line. So this is all generally a normal and expected behavior, especially after we saw Price as high as a dollar forty and really extensive periods above a dollar ten. Uh, it makes sense for the price to hang out. Uh, and candidly, we were expecting it to hang out uh, lower than this. Uh, so not to give price predictions on where we think it was going to go or where where it was going to go per se um, explicitly, but we are. I mean, we're incredibly enthused by the fact that other than for a couple hours when ETH really was at its low, um, and even then Beanstalk experienced a high level of demand. Um, price never dipped really below 88 cents. And you know, one other thing to look at to sort of understand where we're at in this mini cycle, uh, even though it does seem like in general things have turned very positive from a network perspective around Beanstalk, is the volume. And there's actually almost no volume over the past couple of days uh, with the price below a dollar. So there was two to three million dollars of volume every day above a dollar, and now only 500,000, 900,000, 600,000 dollars of volume a day below a dollar. And in general, that's also an indication to us that there aren't a lot of sellers below a dollar. And so, in short, this is largely a function of an absence of sellers because the weather has to increase. And just Beanstalk did experience a major network effect over the past two weeks and it, it, it's both healthy and expected for there to be a little cool off and um this is this is very much normal behavior 
Um, so that was fantastic. Thank you. So then just to follow it up, I mean, you're, you're thinking then like as the weather increases, obviously it's going to be more appetizing for potential sellers to come in despite the length of the pod line. And then in turn, that's going to be one, re one larger push of how we're going to um, head trend more towards the peg. Correct. And, you know, separately, you know, just to give a little context, green stock is right now like less than 100 ETH from the peg. And in comparison, just to talk about sort of where we were in the past, during the last debt cycle, Beanstalk was hundreds of ETH below the peg, and the liquidity was a fraction of what it is right now. And so when we consider the general health of the system, you know, we saw one investor put in over 220 ETH within a day. Um, if one investor did that, not only would we be back above peg, you know, we would be immediately back in that sort of growth cycle that we were in two weeks ago. So, frankly, we don't want there to be a million dollars to come in and then that growth cycle, and then immediately after, and then immediately after. That is how you get endless growth that, that certainly before BIP6 wouldn't have been positive. And even going forward, it's we, we still feel it's very healthy to have these short-term cool-offs where the system is able to reset and it's evident that there is a stable price and a clearing at a dollar around a 40 something million in supply and that's meaningful data and then at some point you know, the market should start to should start to to grow again from there so this is all part of the process ultimately as beanstalk starts to starts to demonstrate that time below peg it's going to get less and less over time. So when we, when the white paper tries to be very open about this, the oscillations, especially at the beginning when there's no arbitrageurs, are going to be wider and more violent. So uh, this is natural, and the only thing that will ultimately bring in ARBs is the fact that Beanstalk does regularly cross beans over, over its peg. So the past couple of days, uh, just the market repricing itself and we think it's it's pretty healthy and the thing that we would look at to indicate that things are are generally pretty healthy is that the withdrawals have continued to to stay relatively uh low in comparison to what they were when there were uh, major outflows a couple days ago that ended the growth cycle great thank you bean boy did you have a question yeah, I mean, I guess I, I have a bunch of questions, but uh, the one I've been thinking about is, let's say someone sows like, I don't know, like a million dollars versus someone who sowed like a million beans versus someone who sows like a hundred beans. What does does the million beans like cause like a blocking effect in the system when it comes to sort of clearing the line? Like, does the pod line get cleared like? one bean at a time or like does an entire batch have to be cleared at once it's 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 on a continuous basis so it, it's not an entire plot and um you know pods it's not even a whole plot a whole pod it's to the decimal so um that's the short answer it's a continuous harvest yeah okay that makes sense i mean i have like other questions but if anyone else wants to go so, Bean Boy, I think the answer would be yeah. If the if the million 
the million beans is right before you and you're the hundred beans, you have to wait for the whole million to go through in, until yours goes through. Um, but it's, you know, it's really the fairest way, right? Otherwise, um, it'd get really complicated, <laughs> I think. Um, go ahead and ask one more bean boy and then we'll get to Gallo. Yeah, so I was just, um, I guess like I was reading the white paper and I saw some stuff about like, the seasons of plenty dynamic that is that something that happens often it it has something to do with the like debt ratio right so the seasons of plenty happen not regularly but when they do they ha- tend to happen uh, a couple times in a row so there was only really one peak where there were seasons of plenty and that was being stuck was pumped um, from like a $2 million, $2.5 million market cap to a $40 million market cap uh, and grew to a $25 million bean supply over like a week. Uh, and that, that if you look at the all-time price chart, uh, those seasons of plenty happened when we went from $4 right back to $1. Uh, and then there was like consecutive seasons of plenty almost entirely through the, through like the next couple days, except for there was one season where there was a price below one, and that's then when you saw the price sort of pump for a couple more hours. So uh, in short, the season of plenty is triggered by 24 seasons of rain, and it is raining on the bean farm when the price is greater than one and the debt level is less than excessively low, which currently is 5%. So the bean, uh, if there was like less than 2 million pods in the pod line uh, and the price was greater than one based on the current bean supply, then it would be it would be raining. And if it rained for 24 consecutive seasons, there would be a season of plenty. And that is effectively Beanstalk's way of deleveraging during periods where it might be particularly susceptible to apes trying to pump it because, you know, a low debt level means that the silo return is going to get particularly juicy so uh the the season of plenty makes it unattractive for anyone to buy and deposit beans while it's raining oh interesting so it's not meant as like a general reward thing it's kind of like a safety rail then for the price exactly right it's like an emergency deleveraging valve in instances where there is way too much demand for beans Yeah, all right. That makes sense. We would just note that it did work incredibly effectively during the pump and dump, and were it not for that, Beanstalk would certainly not be around today. Publius, on that note, I think so. Then, if we, if you were to change, if we were to change the uh, withdrawal period of twenty-four hours, which I, I thought was something that came up during the AMA, but maybe I misunderstood. Um, of withdrawals from the from the silo to a twenty four hour period, would that then impact the season of plenty, or um, maybe I maybe yeah. I misunderstood. As the withdrawal time, time comes down, that would have to also impact the season of plenty timer. Correct. Okay. So Gallo. just for reference, um, just for completion, and then Gallo, go ahead. Is the the season of plenty timer of 24 seasons of rain is at the current upper limit, which is the withdrawal time. So the season of plenty timer can be eight seasons of rain or 16 seasons of rain. It just has to be 
less than or equal to the withdrawal timer. And the reason for that is it basically prevents uh, just straight ARB bots from uh, from participating in inorganically pumping Beanstalk when the price is greater than one, because it basically means that they cannot withdraw and sell above one. And so there's no opportunity for them to buy above one, deposit, collect interest, and sell above one. So instead, they like implicitly, you know that you're going to have to sell below one because it'll happen after the season of plenty. And therefore, it's a much less attractive to just our beanstalk. So all of this is designed to limit the amount of inorganic demand beanstalk experiences when the price is greater than one and the debt level is low. Because again, Beanstalk doesn't want people that just want to pump it. Beanstalk wants long-term investors and long-term sowers, and it doesn't. People that are just going to pump and dump Beanstalk are not people like that's not capital. Beanstalk wants to attract, so these are incentive mechanisms designed to disincentivize sort of ape capital. Sorry, just on that note, then, then what would be the incentive of uh, reducing the withdrawal timer um, below the 24 hours? Well, the point is that we would have to lower the season of plenty timer in line with that. So as the withdrawal time comes down, so too will the season of plenty timer. So like if 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 one thing that we're think we're 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 currently working on a bib that one of the things the bib will do is lower the withdrawal time and it'll lower it over time, right? So maybe like twice a week, it'll lower it by one season couple weeks down to something like 12 or 16 seasons and then every week it'll lower it another season down to four or something and then from there the point is the season of plenty timer would just have to decrease in tandem down to four um and then i think any further decrease in withdrawal time below four seasons would require some additional tweaks to the silo incentives but in order to get beanstalk down to Either um, you know one season, meaning you could withdraw at the beginning of the next season, uh, or no no withdrawal timer at all. We are considering you know further minor tweaks to the behavioral incentives here. And again, um, as Beanstalk grows, it does allow us a little bit more opportunity to adjust the mechanism here. Whereas when Beanstalk was in its infantile state, having a strict withdrawal time of twenty four seasons was much more meaningful than when Beanstalk is operating at scale. So lowering the withdrawal time over the next couple months gradually um, will increase utility while you know, Beanstalk continues to grow and demonstrate demonstrate itself. So there's, there's less of a need for strict rules um, on that front. And just lastly, before we let you go ahead, Gallo, we would comment that um, when stock and seeds become tradable, that will also increase the stickiness of deposits in the silo and that will also like further allow or further reduce the friction when it comes to decreasing the withdrawal timer. So lots of interrelated things happening here, but they're all you know, they're all generally with happening in mind with how can we answering the question of how do we increase utility and how can we keep increasing stability while increasing utility. So uh, enough said on that front for now. So Gallo. Sorry to make you wait so long, but go ahead. Yeah, no problem. Thank you. Um, 
So I've been thinking about like the pod line being large and um, the time that you have to wait to get your uh, your return right uh, not not bounded. And um, I was thinking like if you considered making the the pod line the the returns for people that are in the pod line being you know not like you have to wait for your turn to get everything but more like a continuous return. So if you're in front of the line, you get more. And if you're at the end of the line, you get less, but everybody gets something. So that, you know, everybody feels like they're getting a little bit of return. And it's a little less intimidating to go in and, and you know, have, thinking that you, maybe you're gonna wait for a year or two, right? To get, to get your, uh, your investment back. So, so uh, and, totally understand. Yeah. So yeah, and, and at the same, would you consider? Did you think about this uh, design approach, and would you consider a proposal along that those lines? So, in general, one of the philosophical principles around the creation of both the silo and the field uh, is how do we create efficient markets? How do we create an efficient market for soil? And how do we create an efficient market for beans? And one of the main innovations of Beanstalk is the first in first out uh, payment model. And not to say that it's um, we have to keep it because it's an innovation, but just to, to kind of juxtapose your proposal against the first in first out mechanism and how it may uh, have different uh, incentives or different effects on investor behavior than uh, desired is currently uh, if I'm going to lend beans to beanstalk under the first in first out mechanism, I can price the debt uh, very specifically because I know what I'm valuing beanstalk at when I get paid off. There's an implied market cap uh, of what the value of beanstalk is when I'm getting paid off. So I know my return and I can form some sort of calculation of the risk of what is the chances that Beanstalk never gets to that size. And that's a pretty simple calculation. But frankly, when you also add on to that, the fact that the growth of the pod line is uh, somewhat continuous, meaning every person is lending after somebody else. So if I'm lending right now at a given price, I'm lending it very close to the last price that the last person lent Beanstalk. And so when you put those two together and then you combine it with the first in, first out harvest schedule, what you create is a series of incentives that basically make it efficient behavior such that if I think that right now, based on the current weather, the current price of beans, uh, and the current length of the pod line, I think it's a good time to lend to Beanstalk. I am incentivized to do that immediately. Again, when we talk about creating an efficient market, that's the important part, that I'm incentivized to do it immediately. Whereas uh, a, a harvest schedule where pods harvest at all points in the line, but harvest at a different rate, makes it basically impossible to calculate um, what your actual return and how over what period of time you can expect to get that return. Because one of the main uh, things that will influence your return is how many other people lend to Beanstalk and how quickly the pod line grows. And 
that's already a similar dynamic to the silo, and we don't want the field and the silo to have exactly the same dynamics. But furthermore, the nature of the silo makes it so that um, the rate at which your return in the silo is getting diluted is much less than in a scenario where as the weather increases and the pods at the end of the line per bean sown are increasing, um, now you have like very perverse incentives for people that lent earlier are sort of getting screwed because the weather is starting to increase and therefore people that are lending less money to Beanstalk later on, which again is worse behavior than people lending more money to Beanstalk earlier at a lower weather, are starting to get a disproportionate return. And so as soon as you start to price pod harvests based on your place in line, now that factors into the like the weather in two places and you start to lose the effect of the first in first out harvest schedule and its creation of an efficient market. So when we think about how how Beanstalk succeeds and how it actually creates uh, an efficient price discovery on the bean and soil markets, um, changes to the pod harvest schedule away from first in first out, not to say that we're intent on sticking to it, but um, I, I think it would be very hard to create a system that would create a more efficient market uh, around the soil, around soil in general. Thank you. No, that's or at good. least specific, not to say that it, it's difficult to create a more efficient market around soil. We're always trying to do that. I just don't think that this solution is, is going to achieve that. Just to be clear, like we don't think the current model is the best it can be. We're always trying to improve it further. Also, uh, Gallo, just in thinking about that, the exact reason why you're not lending, you know, why, why you're saying, why you're having some doubts about lending to Beanstalk is, is just because it's upfront about how long it's going to be. You know, if under your, your way, it's a little more opaque, right? Like, if you think, oh, I'll get a little bit, but then I'll get a little bit later, and I'm not really sure how much I'll get. We don't want people lending to the protocol who don't really understand. You know, that seems like that could cause problems just with that. Um, you know, we want to be we want to be clear about you know um, how many pods have to clear until you get paid, and that way you, people can make a rational decision, right? Yeah, no, I, I was just wondering, like, what were the trade-offs um, and yeah, because it's just that, you know, I, I did land shipping and I already harvested and I, I have more coming. But right now, when I look at the line, I'm intimidated, right? Because it can take a year, it can take two years. And it's like, I'm not sure exactly how, how to, to measure that time. And I think that's something that might be a common problem, right? People are looking at it and say, hey, how long is this going to take, right? How can I measure this? One other thing we would just add is that um, the type of exposure that you're describing, you know, turning the field into is almost exactly the silo. And you know, people buying beans below a dollar and depositing in the, in the silo is better for them than buying them above a dollar and depositing them in the silo because you get stock and seeds based on the beans you deposit. So for every U.S. dollar of value you into beanstalk like it's better to deposit below one 
and therefore there are similar incentives around you know you have better returns when the price is below and to deposit in the silo so uh, if you're looking for that type of exposure where you get interest every season uh you know that's already available and depositing beans in the silo uh, has the same effect on the price in the short term as does selling beans so um to some extent that mechanism is already a part of bean stock Okay, uh, Bean Billionaire, you're up next. Uh, yeah, hi. Uh, Pulis, I've heard you talk before about how long-term growth needs to come from demand uh, for Bean's utility as a stable coin. Um, I'm wondering if there's a risk of a sort of chicken and egg problem where Beanstalk needs that external demand um, to achieve price stability, but also needs to maintain price stability um, to generate that external demand. And kind of how long can Beanstalk sort of balance supply and demand today, kind of using only weather um, without that utility? Or how do we resolve that kind of chicken egg problem in getting people to use Bean as a stable coin? A, that is the chicken and the egg problem, and we're not shying away from it. And candidly, there have been a couple other chicken and the egg problems around Beanstalk, which somehow there are now chickens and eggs, and one of them is reflected by the fact that there are 32, 30 people uh, in this class. Yeah, more than that, 37, 36 people in this class right now talking about Beanstalk. And uh, when we started, we were like, how do we get people to care about Beanstalk without just going to VCs and trying to, you know, we wanted to bootstrap a, a real community. How do we do that? And, it's, you know, it's been a lot of work, but in general, if you ask how, how we're going to make that happen, the short answer is Beanstalk Farms is growing aggressively. So Dumpling is now you know, hopefully going to be operations manager. Uh, Austin is, is joining the team in a part-time capacity. We're hoping to Grow that over time. There's lots of uh, developers now joining Beanstalk Farms across the stack that are going to allow, um, as we have, you know, or integrations organized with various protocols that coded up in an efficient fashion across the stack. Um, George B, uh, you know, is is leading a lot of business development, and he's going to hopefully take on a further increased role going forward. So um, there's a lot of work that is happening to start to do that but the short answer is uh, there's a lot more work that needs to happen and specifically you know, it's not so trivial especially in the early days to make sure that the integrations that we are focusing on specifically not to say that it's you know any integration isn't great right now that's like anyone should who wants to start using beans we encourage them to but specifically when we talk about the integrations we want to focus on on the beanstalk farms level it's essential that they are symbiotic uh, to Beanstalk and create utility. Uh, and so it's not just that Beanstalk can help you know, a protocol in the short term, it's that the underlying dynamics of the protocols we're integrating with are not going to be short-term demand and then large chunks of supply coming due, at least in the short term, right? 
like over time, as there are larger arbitrageurs and a much more efficient market for soil, I think that changes and the amount of different integrations Beanstalk can support goes up dramatically. But in the short term, it is uh, it is a, a little bit of an art and a little bit of science. And, um, you know, we've been talking to community members like Mr. Manifold about um, and McBeanolds and others about uh, you know, curve integrations and the like and how how that would work and how to structure them such that they have symbiotic effects on being stuck and aren't just, um, you know, helping another protocol. Obviously, we wouldn't be able to help curve at this size, but um, we have a lot that we could, we think would benefit Beanstalk by starting to integrate with Curve. And I think once we have a curve pool, even if it's unincentivized, uh, you're going to see a lot less periods of time with the price significantly below one, um, just because of the ability to arbitrage against the curve pool. So uh, this is all very exciting, um, but there is a lot of work to be done on that front. And in general, we would say, uh, your question is a question on our minds uh, and on everyone's minds, and we're we're spending a lot of time trying to figure it out and and start to get those live, and we're having a lot of those conversations. And we would just encourage, you know, everyone if they think of other integrations or protocols that might want to start using Beans, uh, you know, to connect us. And in general, just sort of one last point is over the next month. Like we're sort of considering December like infrastructure month on, on Beanstalk Farms. We're trying to get the hiring process set up. We're trying to get the onboarding process set up. Uh, that's another thing that we can start to get set up is this, this infrastructure around creating utility and getting other protocols to integrate Beanstalk and making that very simple for them. So lots of different stuff we can start to do to uh, make that smoother and easier. But in general... Uh, you're totally right that step one is getting Beanstalk to continue to oscillate above a dollar and below a dollar. And, you know, at 93 cents, it's a little bit of a harder pitch than at a dollar at a dollar three. But, um, you know, candidly, we still feel like it's a very compelling pitch, even at 93 cents or you know, around here for sure. Okay. Yeah. Thank you for the answer. We would just comment like, PSD and the like have never had these extended periods below a dollar that they return from. And the fact that Beanstalk was, I mean, as low as 24 cents and spent a month basically entirely below a dollar, um, there's no history with any of those other stable attempts, um, algo stable attempts, anything like that. And uh, this little dip over the past week is nothing but a fuel for the fire of, of proof of the concept of the model. And we're very excited. So whenever the weather does rise to the appropriate level to track sufficient demand for soil such that the price goes back above a dollar, um, you know, we think it's just going to be back in action. And hopefully with the soil changes from BIP6, Beanstalk will deleverage much more effectively. What's up, Evan? Hey, um, so interesting discussions so far. And I kind of have a two-part question depending on how you answer the first part. So my first part is, do arbitrage- like We like that, that's a good, that's a good, uh, <laughs> it's a conditional question. 
Yeah. So do arbitrage opportunities currently exist for when Bean is below peg and when debt levels are excessively high? Because um, my understanding from the white paper is that as long as the debt levels are not excessively high, the pods essentially act as an arbitrage, um, a delayed arbitrage where you get paid out in the credit. But given that the pod levels are so high, it no longer, um, it's, uh, it's, doesn't seem to be functioning, you know, it doesn't seem to like be able to function as that kind of arbitrage that I was originally thinking. So uh, demand for soil is not arbitrage um, as defined in the white paper. Uh, and we don't really de explicitly define arbitrage, I guess, in the white paper, but you would think about, the way we would think about it is, um, right now the price is at 93 cents. Uh, anyone who wants to start doing bean arb has a reasonable expectation that you know they're monitoring the system they realize right now for a million dollars or so like you can basically put beanstalk back in a growth cycle and for a million and a half dollars almost definitely because there's just not that much supply at the moment and the point is the arb opportunity right now is to buy beans below a dollar and then as the growth cycle starts to start you sell beans above a dollar and so the arbitrage opportunity is to buy low and sell high. Um, that arbitrage opportunity is distinct from the actual mechanism that Beanstalk uses to return the price to a dollar. But we would note that like the main point of highlighting arbitragers in the white paper is specifically that all Beanstalk can do is cause like large oscillations above and below a dollar. It's very difficult to have a mechanism like this that is able to by itself return the price to a dollar every season. When you have periods where there's excess supply and there's just not enough demand at that marginal supply at a dollar, you're going to have periods of time where the price is below a dollar. The way that those periods of time decrease and those oscillations come to basically zero for most periods of time is when arbitragers look at being stuck and say, yeah, like, Looks like it's going to be back above a dollar at some point in the next week to two weeks. I can buy it up to a dollar with an average price of 96 cents, and hopefully I can sell it at an average price of a dollar too. And therefore, I'm turning, you know, an eight or nine percent profit um, in a week or two. So, running that arbitrage back and forth above and below a dollar is what will ultimately create that stability. And lots of people running that arbitrage above and below a dollar is what will create a competitive market for bean stability. And over time, that's what will then allow the, the mechanism to start to work in a more efficient fashion as well. But we would, we would note that the mechanism is much more of a reactive, slow and steady response to the market, uh, mainly so that beanstalk cannot be easily manipulated. Uh, and largely it relies on arbitragers that are just independent market participants to buy and sell beans uh, back to a dollar uh, in order to make their own profit, but but also helping be in stock at the same time. Okay, um, cool. And then so the second part of my question, I guess, is then um, since there isn't that kind of a hard arbitrage opportunity and the uh, oscillations of the peg is dependent on the growth of the, uh, or like these arbitragers to come in and to buy being in hopes of the uh, arbitrage to be successful, um, it you don't. It doesn't seem like you seem too concerned that there just isn't going to be 
any more arbitragers come in because certainly you know a there's collateral a difference between lenders and arbitragers right so at the current weather and pod line there aren't a lot of lenders um but once the weather rises to attract lenders then it doesn't matter whether or not there are arbitragers like lenders are distinct actors than arbitragers or they may be the same actor but from an economic perspective you would consider their behavior differently and right now beanstalk is ripe for arbitrage of the type that we described where you can buy it at 93 cents up to a dollar for an average price of below 97 cents uh 96 seven one would be your average price and you know we're basically now saying when the price is above a dollar you can then take those beans and sell them above a dollar so now you're collecting the spread between buying them below a dollar and selling them above a dollar that's live right now the absence of arbitragers doing that is why we have a period of time where the price is below a dollar but that is separate from the absence of lenders which is another reason why beans is below a dollar at the moment so there's an absence of arbitragers and an absence of lenders and the presence of either arbitragers or lenders would bring the price back to a dollar okay so, yeah 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 and so um the absence of lenders um kind of is a result of the pod line being so long and so the weather is supposed to increase the apy of the pod line and incentivize more people to um go in um i'm not um so i guess i understand that portion it's the arbitrage portion it's the kind of the spontaneous the arbitragers will come and they will see an opportunity and they will uh decide that this is a good arbitrage play and that the price of bean is going to go eventually up and um you know it's very impressive that the price of bean was able to rebound after that uh huge dip and those multiple yeah just all of those dips uh towards the end of uh yeah end of september beginning middle of october and to be able to maintain the peg and that was a result of arbitragers coming in i guess and that was I, the result of lenders just to be clear that oh, was the okay almost all lenders and that's why so just a, a great chart if you go to field and you go to sowers and you go to all time if you look at how beanstalk actually recovered from mid-september to middle of october like 400 individual uh, lenders or unique wallets lent to Beanstalk. And so it was a di the ability to attract a diverse set of lenders that led to the price returning to one. And if you look at where we're at just over the past week or so in this chart, there haven't been a lot of new lenders. And that's one of the main reasons why the price now has below one is because there aren't a lot of lenders at the current weather, which is fine. So accordingly, Beanstalk has started to raise the weather again. And the arbitragers, like I understand the protocol can um, only really focus on the lending portion, but I guess the arbitragers will just kind of come in and, you know, because I'm just, uh, I guess my concern exactly. is that exactly. the, the weather and the pods that doesn't become sustainable in people's minds and they don't really see that as an option. And so then the only option left is the arbitrage. And um, yeah, so I guess they, they're just going to come in from whatever and from like the community growing and putting more outreach uh, out to other communities and you know explaining what this is because a lot of people don't even know you know let alone that this exists people don't even understand how all of it works because it's so entirely new and so i guess the arbitragers will just kind of come in spontaneously 
So over time, as Beanstalk continues to oscillate above and below a dollar, that will will hopefully be the inspiration for some people to start performing that arbitrage. So there's no saying how many more times Beanstalk needs to run above and below a dollar, but at some point you would expect that to happen. And then from there, beans are going to be much more stable. But candidly, once that happens, you know, whenever you run out of ARB money and there's too many sellers and then you have a, a dip below one for the first time in a while, like it's times like these where Beanstalk has lived through periods where you have a price below a dollar that makes this long-term sustainable. Okay, cool. Thanks. This is, you know, I, I get it. A lot of people are new um, and it might be a little nerve wracking. Like we haven't printed in a couple of days. What's going on? Is this okay? This is all very healthy. Now we're, we try to be as open and honest about missteps as well. And so we would, we would comment that if BIP six had been implemented a month ago before the, the beans, beanstalk really started to grow and have periods above one, uh, the pod line would be probably 120 million or so maximum. So, um, hopefully going forward, there will be much less, uh, much less growth in the pod line during periods of excess demand for soil. So uh, that was largely just an inefficiency in, in, in the model. And we're seeing that reflected in a slight deviation in the price below a dollar now because the weather has to increase. But again, in the long run, we think this is probably very healthy for Beanstalk regardless, not to say that it's not good that it was fixed. Okay, cool. Yeah, that makes a lot more sense now. Thanks. Liz, I have a question for you. Shoot. If you uh, like, given the length of the pod line and like with the length of the pod line, do you have an anticipation, like say six months from now, um, where, as far as a percentage of you know the amount of beans out there versus the length of the pod line, do you have an idea of, um, you know, where you would like it to be as far as like uh, how much debt you'd like beanstalk to have as yes. a percentage of its market cap? Yeah, so I mean, currently the like those are explicitly defined as like the optimal debt level, which is fifteen percent. But um, based on the current pod line, you know, of three hundred and sixty million, uh, that sort of implies a really high valuation of being stock. Um, when we might have like a, a below optimal pod line or pod rate, which is perfectly fine. But keeping in mind, like the next six months or so, um, you would basically say that hopefully over the next couple weeks and months, as Beanstalk continues to grow, th go through you know its growth cycle, and we start to see that play out more, and the effects of Big Six take place, where the pod line isn't growing, uh, once once we we have no available soil, you know we should see the pod the pod rates start to come down aggressively. So maybe we, we get to like a 500 or 700 million pod line, um, but that should should happen as Beanstalk grows to a couple hundred million dollars as well. And so you're going to see the pod rate come down into the low hundreds over time. And then from there, you know, at some point, you will start to see Beanstalk enter like a further growth cycle from there and really pop. Uh, largely due to the fact that it has paid off most of its debt. Um, and at that point, you would maybe, it's hard to say whether we'll see a, a reset of the web, like the pod, pod line to zero, which would be sort of crazy. 
but but I mean, candidly, guys, all of this is going to play out over the next year, regardless. Like, there's no scenario in which stock isn't chugging through all the pods, and it's still alive in a year. So just based on the speed that crypto moves and the rate that Beanstalk is growing, like all of this is going to play out in the next six months to a year. And even if you're lending to Beanstalk right now, this is not, people are talking about two, three years down the road. There's no way that Beanstalk exists in three years if it hasn't paid off all these pods, you know, in the next couple months, which again, I think is very doable. Like this is the next six months beanstalk should definitely be a billion plus beans so this is all this is why we're talking about integrations and stuff so seriously because we do want to start to increase utility and not 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 be a, a project that has a billion beans that are all a dollar no one wants to use them so this is an important an important part of the process yeah that makes a lot of sense um already what else do we have uh okay can i just ask uh, one quick question again yeah go ahead yeah so just to follow up on the harvestable pod portion i think just to uh, really tease out the final details on that so uh Publius, let's say i have 10k in a par uh, harvestable plot and dumpling has 100k and i put mine in just before him um the it sounds like the pods become harvestable like down to the decimal but it won't be the case that i can harvest my full plot of 10k pods uh until the entire plot is accessible correct no that's also not correct so if if you're 10 if like you have a 10k plot and half of it harvests you can harvest them and then you know you'll you'll just have a, a remaining plot with the other 5k Right things, and then obviously, since Dumpling's still behind me, he's gonna have to wait till all those 10k, and then I get mine, and he'll start to get his. Okay, makes sense. Thank you. Correct. You know, the, the main point here is, uh, and especially like one of the things we're working on for BIP seven, which we we'll, we'll, we'll put a draft of you know, a proposal at some point once we have have it more fully fleshed out. But one of the things we intend to include is partial claims. Um, so even if you have like larger plots. And some like half of it is claimable or harvestable. You don't have to be so all of it, or you don't have to LP all of it. You can do parts, you know, and you have much more customizability as well. I think I think Snake should go because I already asked a question. I'm just up here again because I thought no one else had any questions, but he should go first. Sure. Go ahead, Snake. Yeah. A friendly environment. What a friendly environment, guys. This is awesome. Love it. Thank you, and uh, sorry if it's been asked. So, can someone effectively like hold up the pod line if they want to? Uh, no. So the pods harvest independent of whether the people in front of you have have harvested their pods if that makes sense so there's no way to hold up the pod line perfectly clear thank you so you mentioned a little uh towards the beginning about how uh some new developers have come on board and that i think you were working on uh, making the integration process easier um, and I was kind of curious if you could shed some more light on what the, you know, from a technical perspective, 
what, um, what, how can you make the integrations easier? And, you know, how does that look for partnerships as well? I mean, obviously that's good for potential partnerships because like Olympus Pro, for example, they've had um, in the third 90 days that they have been uh, serviced, they have been able to have a partnership with a new protocol uh, on average once every three days. And so if do you see being able to have that kind of infrastructure to pump out integrations like that in the uh, next like six months, I guess? Hopefully, definitely. So where do things get particularly interesting and complex, um, but also get exciting as fuck? Sorry, we shouldn't curse, but that just shows how excited we are about this stuff. Is uh, It slipped out. Is when stock and seeds become liquid and tradable, those are the assets that become really interesting for people to incorporate in other protocols because they are yield like bearing assets and accordingly once stock and seeds get incorporated into other protocols bean deposits get really sticky independent of how low the withdrawal timer is and the complication around stock and seeds becoming liquid though is if i want to like add my stock to a lending pool for example uh the way Beanstalk distributes rewards is that if I have seeds in that in a, in a in a lending pool, that lending pool will start to accrue my stock. That lending pool, when it accrues my stock, then will start to accrue my beans that I earn from stock as well. Um, well, that those seeds won't like you'll have to farm your stock, right? Because it's grown stock. But the point is, you're now receiving these assets that would be entitled to if they were your seeds but while they're sitting in a lending protocol nobody owns them and or technically it would be owned like the way beanstalk considers it is that it would be owned by the lending protocol contract with which you've deposited your seeds in and so what we want to do is we want to make it really easy for lending protocols to integrate stock and seeds for example by giving them sort of factory uh, contracts to deploy to handle um, like basically allowing people to go through this contract which will do the accounting uh, for the distribution of beans stock and seeds as appropriate um, even while you're integrating with other smart contracts so that's really where the complications are introduced and where having like a robust um, development infrastructure to make it trivial for any project to integrate stock and seeds Stuff like that is what might be a little more technically challenging. And over the next couple months, we hope to get uh, ready uh, as we prepare for stock and seeds to become liquid. And again, that's like that's something that we could do over the next couple weeks. But if anything, it's sort of like a real trick up beanstalk sleeve. And we feel like once stock and seeds go liquid, things are going to start to be much, much more uh, sticky, real, stable. Like it's going to look like much more of a complex ecosystem. And so uh, on the one hand, you might say, like, let's just get that running ASAP. But on the other hand, because the bean, uh, excuse me, stock and seeds are going to trade against bean, um, until we have real utility for bean, uh, you don't really have a major dampening effect from stock and seeds um, other than its effect on 
uh, withdrawals and stickiness in the silos. So, uh, again, chicken and the egg, but we're excited about how stock and seeds are going to add value to the to the ecosystem. So if you have a curve pool technically and it's not incentivized, is it still uh, is a stock still growing in that then? Well, um, no, because currently the only way that you can earn stock on liquidity is if you deposit a Uniswap LP token in the silo. And if the curve pool, we're thinking that the way we'll probably incentivize a curve pool is with gauge. Um, we don't need to at least immediately have it so that you can deposit uh, the LP tokens for the Bean 3 curve pool in the silo. That's something that can be added in the future if necessary. But we think through things like Vodium, and we've been talking to like McBeanolds about stuff like this for guidance, uh, we think that there are much more cost-effective ways to have liquidity added to the curve pool. Okay, cool, cool. So, uh, I was just wondering, you mentioned stock and seed being liquid. Is that like an upcoming BIP or like, I, yeah. I, I know this was mentioned before, so I was just wondering like what the status on that It's was. not like, it's not in the oven, but it's, you know, it's the dough is rising in the fridge or something. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Because BIP, BIPs are like the code is basically done and it's like a GitHub pull request, right? Exactly. So BIPs are formal, like actual requests and changes to the code that we're, we want to make. Um, and then typically what we've been doing, especially for the past couple BIPs, is we've been making proposals or drafts of the, the BIP proposal, which is a written version of the BIP, uh, informally a couple days before for some comments and feedback. Stock and seeds, you know, before we even get to like making a proposal, you have to work out the economics of it and then the technical details, then you have to actually write the code. Um, so we're sort of at the stage on the stock and seeds front where we feel like we've worked out the economic details. And um, especially now that the Beanstalk Farms development capabilities on the back end uh, have really started to grow, uh, hopefully in the next couple of weeks, we'll start to be able to develop, uh, devote some resources to working on making stock and seeds liquid. And then you know, our hope is to get more of these bits developed uh, in advance and then be able to sort of deploy them at the appropriate time uh, and have them ready in advance. Whereas to date, we've been sort of writing them in real time. And then once they're ready to go, we propose them. So this is all becoming a little bit more uh, uh, organized uh, and, and there's a more of a process getting set up across across the board, across the stack, across the, the farm here. Uh, every access you want to think about it, we're, we're, like I said, December is a little bit of infrastructure week. So uh, all just uh, all just getting started and very encouraged by the progress thus far. So I um, don't want to keep everyone too, too long. So uh, we've been going a little, uh, basically an hour since we started. Uh, if there's any sort of final lingering questions, feel free to I'm in and otherwise uh thank you everyone for coming and we look forward to you know to to continuing the discussion uh in the discord and in class next week and and elsewhere hey Publius, i have a quick follow-up on liquid uh stock specifically i'm curious how that plays in with governance rights and what implications that has um yeah, this is another thing like when it when I have my stock and I have it out in a lending protocol, 
um, unless it's being loaned out, uh, can I still vote? Right? These are part of the integrations that we want to have a factory contract that makes that stuff very easy to do. Uh, and uh, that's part of the process that we need to implement on the technical side of things. But in general, a stock being liquid will not affect your ability to vote unless you're, you, you like sell your stock or you, if you deposit it in another smart contract, if that smart contract has an integrated beanstalk, then you won't be able to vote. And so that's why it's so important for us to have like easy factory contracts that allow people to integrate stock and seeds into their protocols. So I guess like one last question is, I, if I'm not mistaken, you basically forfeit stock and seed that accrue in the silo if you withdraw beans, right? Correct. So if you were to be able to like give all of your stock to a lending protocol, you would be unable to withdraw beans? Exactly. Or like, you, okay. like once that's currently, it's just at the protocol level, like it, it's just an internal state, uh, like your wallet has an internal state, you just have to burn the appropriate amount of stock and seeds and that's updated. Whereas when those are liquid, if you don't have the sufficient amount of stock and seeds and silo beans to burn for your withdrawal, you just won't be able to withdraw. You'll have to go on the open market and buy it or or get them somehow. Okay, interesting. Yeah, I'm I'm personally very excited for the I guess I feel like there's gonna be a lot of very complicated like economic tricks you can pull if stock and seeds are liquid. Like Ooh, yeah. for example, stockpiling like a huge quantity of seeds just to like farm stock really fast or something. There are so many fun things that open up. Like frankly, one of the beauties of this it's complex, but it's also like a very nice ecosystem when it's functioning in its in its in its full capacity. It it allows for people to get exactly the type of exposure that they want to the protocol. And it also allows for like unique new complex derivatives to be built on top of Beanstalk. And that is what allows it to become the basis of all of DeFi. Whereas something like Fay and Frax are not meant for that. They can't handle like large derivatives built on top. Beanstalk can because of like when you have a liquid market of stock and seeds and you don't just have derivatives built on top of beans, you have them for stock and seeds, you're going to have like really sophisticated arbitragers managing these, these assets and markets in a way that creates real stability over long periods of time. And then at the micro level, the hope is that the weather is able to adjust uh, during periods where there isn't a f sufficient ARB to, to create those longer-term oscillations above and below one. So this is this is a very young ecosystem. Again, Beanstalk is still in what we would describe as an infantile uh, state or an infant state. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of, you know, puberty is a long way away even, and, and that's going to be a fun period of time. So it's like this this thing has so much room to grow, and, uh, we're just excited. You know, you talk about the complex economics problems, like we just are so, we feel so lucky to wake up every day and get to work on those complex economic problems. So uh, we're having a blast and we're incredibly grateful for active community that's forming around Beanstalk.
Okay, well, I think that's a, a nice wrap. If there are no lingering questions, I checked the uh, the classroom board and no one had really written any questions there either. So um, anyone who's interested, I was going to start a Twitter spaces so we can uh, hop on there and uh, have a quick chat. I will also note that we just had one of the biggest trades on the NFTs. Uh, someone bought a cool diamond bean for 0.694 ETH, which is about 3000 bucks. So... That's pretty cool. Um, Whoa, that's a steal. One of them went for like an ETH a couple couple days ago. I didn't. That's cool. That was a, that was a duo package a couple days ago. So you got two. Yeah, of but that you one. got to assume it's for the diamond, right? Yeah, yeah. but it's uh, pretty good. To, pretty cool to see. Yeah, that one was a steal. Um, uh, fun I need stuff. To, I need to get my NFTs out of the protocol. I have seven sitting in there, but I like gas is just like three hundred dollars to get them out. Got to send it like middle of the night. Yeah, you can do an email uh, email alert when gas is low. Do it. Like ETH gas station. Oh. All right, guys. Uh, well, thanks for coming out. We have the um, the Dow meeting on Thursday at 8.30. Uh, so please come there. And uh, yeah, if you're at all interested in, in uh, working for Beanstalk, uh, shoot me a DM and we'll set up a time. We'll chat, figure out a good spot for you. Thank you, everyone. Take care. Thanks, everyone. See ya.